Good morning. Hope you guys all had a wonderful fourth and uh, working on uh, losing all that weight. I had the caterers over. We did Persian food. I don't know if you guys watch my Insta story. So I put on about three pounds and working on it, working on it. But uh, hope you guys are safe and well and uh, have all your fingers there from fireworks. Uh, we have great questions from you guys this week. I'm excited uh, to have Logan read those in a little bit. And we're going to give a few more seconds for people to hop on. And we'll get the show on the road. Yeah, I still don't see you guys' name down there on, on the right side. Facebook users, except Amin. Amin's name always pops up. How are you doing, Amin? All right. Well, I think we should get started um, since we only have 30 minutes. Uh, Logan, hit me up. All right. What's going on, everyone? Uh, happy Tuesday. Like many said, hope you all had a great fourth, and we'll go ahead and hop into it. So the first question is from Michael, and he asked, do you have employees in your real estate company? And if so, do you find experienced people to hire and pay them a nice salary? Or do you find people who are less experienced and pay a smaller salary as you teach them the ways over time? Would love to get some insight on this so I can hire for my corporation more efficiently. Well, Michael, great question. Well, you know, things like accounting, obviously I, I'm looking for experience, at least 10 years experience. Um, I don't know accounting, so I can really train and teach, you know, the candidate. Uh, but when it comes to real estate, I like to uh, hire them young, out of the college. Doesn't have to have a college degree, but as long as they're hungry, intelligent, they're enthusiastic, um, they don't have to have experience. Uh, I love to, you know, basically uh, experience that I have learned in 30 years, teach them because my strategies and uh, style is different from your tra traditional investor. So that's what I would do about accounting. You know, obviously, if you have an in-house counsel you want to hire, uh, things of that nature, you definitely want to look for, you know, lengthy uh, experience there. All right. And then Michael's second question, he said, I can't find any good deals and I'm looking at eight different states. Seems like inventory is extremely low at the moment. Is this what you're noticing as well? Yeah, it's a tough time we're in now. A, a lack of inventory and a lot of the distressed real estate is all tied up uh, with all this uh, eviction ban and uh, also uh, foreclosure ban. It's just the feds really put the brakes on to uh, slow this uh, process of the carnage. But it is coming. Uh, you just have to spend more time uh, looking for more, looking at more deals to find you know something that's suitable. Um, but there are deals out there. It's just extremely, uh, you know, rare to find one every week or every month. So as I keep looking, but I'm thinking by, uh, early next year, you're going to start seeing some of these, uh, properties unwind and come to the market. All right. And then we have Hannah. Um, so Hannah said, you talked about selling the roof, right? To sell companies in a recent Instagram post. Can you elaborate on this mechanism? So mm -hmm. question number one, after the elaboration is also, who do you reach out to? Hi, Hannah. Um, yeah, so the roof easement is basically you're renting your roof. 
and the term usually is 50 to 55 years, 60 years. You got to be careful. Some of these uh, companies will send you a letter of interest that uh, basically runs forever. <laughs> so don't do that. Uh, that's basically all you're doing. You're renting your roof space, just like you will rent your you know, interior suites in your building. And the companies that usually uh, buy these are SBA. Um, there, is a, there is two or three big top players. I go through a broker and I can share that uh, contact with you guys. Uh, his name is Lawrence. And uh, I've done, I think, five or six of these already with him. And uh, he'll go out and get a competitive bet for you. But typically, it's 50 to 55-year term. And whatever is on the roof, you know, they'll, you know, take over the payments and cut you a big check. And then whatever they bring new to the roof in terms of new carriers is usually a split 50-50 to 60-40. You know, so 60% you take, 40% they take, and that's for the next 50 years, um, any new carrier that comes to the roof. And uh, was that all the question? Uh, yes, two more questions, uh -huh. um, both about the same topic. So the next one is, what is the contract length? And then also, mm -hmm. will it affect any redevelopment potential? Great question. Yeah, the length, like I say, is 50 to 55 years. Um, it absolutely will affect your redevelopment opportunity and that's why i always recommend when you're negotiating on the contract to sell the roof uh, the roof easement uh, terms make sure you put in the relocation clause in case of a development um, and that basically allows you to move their equipment right to offsite and typically you move it from the roof to the corner of the lot and there is no disruption in service to them. It is very costly, but hey, if you're gonna uh, make millions doing it, at that point, at least you have the right and a developer would, will factor that in cost, uh, factor the cost in uh, when they make you an offer. All right, and then we got Magnus. It's uh, good to see you, Magnus. Um, he's got a little bit of a lengthier one. I'll go uh -huh. through it kind of fast. Um, so he said, finally about to close on that Glendale, Arizona office building. Awesome. Congrats. Uh, I've been bugging you about over the last four months. So we just kept on extending escrow because there is a ton of COVID and rent deferral related tenant turnover in the property. But it's actually all the way up to 83% occupancy now. And we are raising rent on the remaining space. Um, there are a lot of new leases, all with deposits paid, but some with three to six free month rent on the front mm -hmm. end. The projected cap rate will be over nine in five months, so long as everyone who signed pays their rent. All tenants, small mom and pop businesses, some of the longer leases are accounting firms or medical related businesses. Do you have any advice to improve our rent collections? The property has historically poor collections due to the use of a paper invoicing system. <laughs> uh, 80 year old onsite property manager walking around handing out paper invoices and collecting checks. Yep. Um, I've got a property manager who is going to use a digital rent payment system. Any other advice on strategies to make sure all the rent is collected each month? Yeah, great question, Magus. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, when you got those uh, older owners doing, you know, the old school uh, paper invoicing, it slows things down. And the tenants always response is, oh, it must have got lost in the mail. <laughs> but uh, I would recommend ACH. Uh, you provide that to all your tenants. So it's automatic uh, deposit into your account. Um, I'm sure your property manager is working on that. 
you know, for those tenants that are late payers, it can be many, you know, if you got 20% of tenants paying you late and you got to chase them and babysit them, offer them two or 3% discount uh, if they pay by the 30th or the first. But I like to put 30th. And um, it, it used to work for me. I'm sure it works for them. If it's $2,000 and you give them 2%, that's 40 bucks, they save. And that takes the headache away and gives them an incentive. Um, and, you know, it's not going to be a heavy cost to you because there is only 20% of tenants probably that you have to babysit and chase. But that's what I would do. Um, short of giving them, you know, a Starbucks gift card if, for any tenant that pays by the 30th. That's another way you can do it. You know, everybody likes coffee, right? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then Magnus's second question. If I can get my rent collected in Arizona, I think I can get most of my cash out in six to 12 months with the cash out refinance, so long as I can show some good operating history. I've had different lenders tell me different things about the length of time I need to show operating history to pull cash out. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things you would do to prepare this property for a refinance? And how would you try to engage with lenders to pull out maximum amount of cash? Yeah, great question. Well, typically lenders want to see at least one tax return that shows full cash flow on a property uh, during your ownership, uh, obviously. So if you bought this property, uh, you know, I would say a year to year and a half if you want to do a maximum cash out, uh, but you could do it within a year. As long as you show the operating history PL reported on your tax return, as well as uh, what to prepare for it, I will renew all the tenants on a lengthier uh, term, uh, the lenders really want to see the stability of, uh, you know, cash flow. Um, if it's a three-year loan or a five-year loan, but I will renew all the tenants. If the property shows, you know, awful, you know, put some lipstick on it, but that's important. Um, but more important than that is the cash flow. The lenders want to make sure the property does debt service for the amount of loan they're going to give you. So make sure. You do report uh, the best, uh, you know, NOI in your um, in your tax return for that year. So uh, that's really it, because most owners try to, um, you know, just hide the income, collect cash. They don't want to pay income tax. So if the PLs historically shows poor, you're gonna have a hard time. So the number one thing is show one full year on your tax return a great cash flow so you can go ahead provide that debt service to the lender all right and then he also followed up and said are there certain lenders who are more willing to do interest only loans or hire ltv on a cash out refinance for office yeah well the the most aggressive lenders right now are cmbs uh, non-recourse lenders uh you can go up to probably you know 70 75 percent uh 70 percent cash out uh, they do offer you interest only. It's non-recourse, but the catch is comes with a hefty prepayment penalty. Is not a great option if you plan to sell the property in the next five years. I don't recommend it. Um, I would go with a balance sheet lender or a credit union or a local regional bank to that area in Arizona. Um, that would probably give you 65% cash uh, LTV cash out. And you can probably ink out a couple of years of interest only on a five-year loan. Uh, that would be probably your best option because they don't come with a prepay penalty. And if they do, 
is a step down prepaid, like a three to one uh, type of thing. So your maximum going to pay is probably two or 1% depending when you sell it. All right. And then we've got Ali. It's uh, great to see you here, brother. And he said, I see some brokers don't put their listings on public new loop net mm -hmm. and only use CoStar. I believe they're trying to not pay the loop net cost or trying not to deal with public inquiries, but only with the other brokers who see the CoStar listings. What are your thoughts on this? And are you okay with your broker doing this with your listings or would you force them to put it up publicly? Yeah, good question. Well, LoopNet generally is not for brokers. It's mostly for mom and pop investors. Uh, that it's basically you know for sell by owner type of thing. Uh, the brokers do uh, list it on CoStar. That's their main MLS multiple service they use. And I, if I'm not mistaken, what, whatever they list on CoStar is supposed to be on uh, LoopNet as well because they're both owned by the same company but maybe that's changed. Um, generally, if uh, you're looking for a deal to buy, the best place is to go is CoStar. That's gonna have almost all the listings that people wanna list for sale uh, with CoStar, but LoopNet obviously is free. CoStar is expensive. If you wanna get nationwide um, coverage, I think it's like $1,500 or 2,000 bucks a month is what I'm paying. Um, but yeah. Uh, LoopNet, you get a lot of, uh, you know, mom and pop investors, brokers, professionals use CoStar. That's, you know, uh, if you want to list it on LoopNet, you can ask your broker to also list it on LoopNet. All right. And then Ali has a second question. It said, Manny, what are the pros and cons of bringing ATM tenants to the parking lot of shopping centers? Mm. Well, the pros are you're going to collect more rent. Uh, but there is a lot of more cons than pros, in my opinion. ATM is, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to have an ATM on my property. I mean, you're going to uh, have wear and tear in the parking lot, people coming in and out to get 20 bucks. Uh, you're going to have trash laying around. You're going to attract crime. Uh, people follow the money. So uh, I don't recommend it. I've never put an ATM, but I have bought many properties that had ATM on the property. Uh, so I inherited, but I wouldn't go out and attract the ATM uh, tenant to my property because more there's more cons than uh, pros. All right. And uh, lastly, I hear a typical large retail tenant, like a gym or grocer, uh -huh. would want something like $35 per square feet in TI, uh, tenant improvements, which will amount to close, uh, which will amount to close to $1 million in a 25,000 to 30,000 square foot unit. Is this normal and how would you fund it? And do bank loans for TI when you are, when you already, oh, do you do bank loans for TI when you already own the center? Yeah, great question. Well, typically if you're buying a property that already has that bulk vacancy, almost all lenders will uh, give you a future funding for TILC which is, you know, tenant improvement, uh, leasing commission expense. Uh, but if you bought the property and this tenant vacated, then your only other option is once you have an LOI signed, um, you go ahead and do a cash out refinance. Most lenders will go ahead and do that. If you got a commitment from a credit tenant, obviously it would have to be a national credit tenant. You're not going to, uh, give a million bucks in TI to a mom and pop that are opening their first gym. <laughs> so that's the key. 
if you're uh, giving it to a balance sheet tenant, credit national credit tenant, you're gonna have no problem getting a cash out refinance uh, because the lenders will factor that rent in. And the TI is not due till the T tenant improvements are completed. Um, I don't think I've ever paid off front for a tenant improvement to any tenant. So as soon as the lease is executed, I would say engage a mortgage broker to give you some competitive bids for a cash out refi. All right, and then we've got a question from Robin. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, I recently got my California real estate salesperson license and I'm looking to work as an agent on the side for both residential and commercial properties. Which broker should I look into as I'm in uh, Northern Orange County? Mm. Um, brokerage that does both. Um, well, you know, Marcus Millichap is pretty good. They do multifamily and they do commercial shopping centers. Um, I don't know anyone, uh, any particular firm um, up in Northern Orange County. I would suggest uh, grab a cup of coffee, drive around uh, five blocks, uh, in a couple of mile radius, and then just take some numbers down from shopping centers, office buildings with signs, and then look them up uh, and see just how big is the firm and how much, most of these listings are on their website. So just go look at their inventory. They've uh, listed for sale uh, or for lease. And, uh, you know, just do some due diligence. I would say uh, that's the best advice I can give. All right. And then we have a question from Wajtek. Um, Sorry if I mispronounced your name. He said, thanks so much for all your help. Can you get a loan to provide a tenant with TI money or do you need to pay that for, uh, pay for that with cash? Mm, yeah, that's that definitely would be either pay cash and do a refinance later or do a cash out refinance to fund it. All right, and then we have Alex. Um, he said, I'm selling a home and should collect $1 million net after taxes. Congrats. Um, I found a fourplex in Oakland, California and was thinking of doing a 1031. Is it, it is well-maintained, free from city rent control, but it is completely empty and the neighborhood is just okay. I didn't get good reasoning from the agent as to why it's still empty other than all, all the tenants left after COVID and one wasn't paying rent and had to be bought out. Any red flags? And should I just hold on to the million dollars and wait for a correction? I'm in no rush. Oh, it's very strange to have a fourplex vacant uh, unless it's bank owned and the previous owner ran it down, collect the rents, didn't pay the mortgage, didn't fix the property and it's not you know, uh, safe to live there. So that's the only thing would be a red flag for me. Um, otherwise, you know, should be pretty fairly easy to lease a fourplex. It's a short, shortage of housing in California. Um, that's the only red flag I see. You may be buying a property with you know, extensive deferred maintenance. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, comes down to price. If you're getting 20, 30% discount, run the market comps for those uh, unit mix in Oakland. And if it's all two bedroom or one bedroom, run the comps and do the uh, analysis. You know, it typically is about 75% of your rent you collect is your NOI if it's separately metered. If it's not separately metered, it's 65%. So you take, if it's thousand bucks a month, that's 650 a month if it's not separately metered, if it's master metered. So 650 times four, that's your NOI at seven cap, and that's your purchase price. And then you got to do a budget for 
what is it going to cost to rehab so you got some homework to do if you want to do a 1031 and do that four clicks but otherwise uh don't know how much is your capital gain taxes you said you're getting a million but i don't know how much of that is a gain if your cap tax are minimal i would prefer to wait unless it's four clicks is steel awesome and then we have a question from the great tony bishop it's good to see you here he said what are your thoughts on rv parking it seems to be a good cash flow business mm -hmm. in my area um south carolina it costs 300 to 400 per month to, to park a class a rv i've been looking at abandoned buildings with large parking lots mm -hmm. if the building is tall enough we could offer inside parking and use the parking lot for outside uh outside parking finding the right location will be critical it also seems that some of the bigger companies are looking at this market as well. Maybe this will turn into the same thing as self-storage in the future where the big companies are aggressively buying self-storage. Oh, interesting, uh, Tony. Well, uh, it's not that simple to take just the property with a big parking lot and just make it an RV park. You got to go through city first of all. And then the expensive part is the utilities. You know, uh, hook up for utilities for each lot that you're gonna rent for three, 400 bucks a month is not cheap. You gotta bring in water, gas, electricity, um, maybe not gas, but definitely water and electricity and also sewer, right? So um, that's expensive, very expensive. What I would recommend for you is uh, to look at RV parks that have you know, lower rent than the other RV parks. Um, someone that's owned it for 30, 40 years, older you know, owner, and just buy that and do some landscaping remodel increase the rents and that would be the opportunity for me rather than uh, go ahead and convert the parking lot into an rv park that's probably going to be super expensive awesome so now we'll go ahead and hop into the comments and just want to shout out everyone here georges danil brad amin carmen uh george raul boris philip uh, we got Avo in here, nice. Paul, Yusuf. It's no surprise that uh, we're seeing you guys get the most results out of everyone. So we appreciate y'all showing up to the call each and every week. Yeah, thank you guys. All right. And then we got A.H. John Williams. Um, he said, what's the difference in levels of the mentorships? Oh, well, the Contrarian Academy, which is my high level coaching program, that's really for uh, investors that have at least $250,000, $300,000 in cash, and they're ready to become a full-time uh, active investor and pull the trigger by their first deal. And that one gets the video Zoom calls instead of a Facebook you know, live call. And it's more interactive and it's more intimate. So I've limited to 30 members only. I think we have 17 or 18 members in the program. So it's a lot more intimate, hands-on, uh tell you buy your first building and we're targeting six months for uh, members to acquire their first commercial property aside from that you get 10 property previews underwriting from me personally so you send in your form with the property detail and i'll underwrite it look under the hood and give you my thumbs up thumbs down red flags green flags and if i recommend it and if not why so um, that's, I think, pretty uh, valuable. If you got, you know, some of my our members have five, seven million bucks they want to put to work and getting 10 uh, property looks by me, it's pretty valuable for them. They don't want to make a, a mistake. Um, and then on top of that, we got a two-day mastermind, which is called our Contrarian Summit, 
we're gonna hold uh september i think late september right september 24th and 25th yeah so that is also very valuable because you get to meet everybody in person networking have some fun and hopefully pass out some awards for members that did acquire their first property through my program so in a nutshell that's what it's <laughs> that's what it is yeah, if absolutely. you want to add anything, Logan. Yeah, we have a accountability coach in there too, and then That's developed right. a tool called Contrain Scorecard to help you keep track of all the properties that you're viewing and organize all your information. And that's what the accountability coach is using to hold you accountable and make sure that you're really maximizing your results with the membership. That's right. And if you guys are interested to convert and uh, upgrade, um, you know, I'll be more than happy to apply everything you paid so far towards the uh, fee for the country academy so reach out to logan yeah absolutely all right and then we have uh, our next question from george so he asks is costar worth it also mm -hmm. how would you quickly run comps on a multifamily property um that's what i'm having trouble with i get some leads but need help quickly running the numbers honestly on a multifamily, if you need comps contact the marcus miller chat they do i think more multifamily than any other uh brokerage house uh your broker, uh, you know, that you're going to list the property with or you're buying from, you know, have them provide you comps. Uh, LoopNet may be able to give you comps as well. It costs money. They don't provide for free. But brokers would uh, have access to all that. So you don't have to pay for CoStar because it's expensive. So use the brokers that pay thousands of dollars per month for CoStar membership uh, and have them provide it to you. All right, we have um, Yusuf. It's been a little bit. Good to see you, Yusuf. He said, I bought a home in the suburbs a couple months ago at a slight discount. Um, would you recommend renovating and selling before downturn comes or hanging on and renting out to a long-term tenant? I approximate that I should get a 25% return on my down payment by renovating and selling. Wow, 25% sounds good to me. You do four, uh, four of those deals and you've doubled your money. Um, I would definitely remodel and sell it. Uh, right now it's a seller's market, especially for single family housing. And uh, once the rates go up, which they will go up, uh, you will see a correction, uh, or at least you won't see this rise anymore in, in home prices. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe they'll take the interest rates to zero <laughs> or negative zero, like Japan, but I doubt that. Um, Bottom line, you never go broke taking a profit. 25% is pretty healthy in, in less than a year. So I'll opt for that. Awesome. And then we have a, another question from Michael who asked the question earlier on hiring for your real estate business. Yeah. Uh, he said, do you have a board of directors for your real estate business or mm -hmm. for another business you run? And any tips for creating a strong board of directors and hiring employees? Uh-huh. Board of directors. Of course I have them but I don't pay for them. My board of directors and my uh, brokers, I've been working with for many years. I bounce the property off of them and say, hey, what do you think about this deal? Um, also my attorney that I've been working with for you know over a decade, he knows the type of deals I flip. He's local, he knows the market too. He's a real estate attorney. He sees a lot of deals because he represents other investors. Um, and then on top of that, I'm a property analyst in-house. Uh, so we do a lot of digging on the asset. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, we got, you know, fewer we're looking at right now, but those are my board of directors, my attorney, CPA, property analyst, and 
local brokers that I've dealt with that do a lot of activity and that, there you have it. I don't have physically a, a board meeting with anyone here. <laughs> All right, and then uh, another follow-up question from Michael said, do you think now is the time to go in and buy office buildings or do you think the prices will go lower in the next six to 12 months? Oh, great question. Nobody knows when the perfect timing is. If you can find an office deal that's distressed and you're getting 30 to 35% discount from the comp in the same asset, you know, quality, same stock market within a three mile radius, I pull the trigger if the deferred maintenance is very light. Uh, you don't want to buy 35% discount and I spend 35% on roof, parking lot, plumbing, electrical, and leasing costs. Leasing costs is not cheap when it comes to office. You got a lot of tenant improvements and leasing commissions you got to pay, plus the cost of money. If you're leveraging it, you got interest payments, right? So a perfect scenario for office for me would be 50% occupied office, trophy location, uh, where it's being grossly mismanaged and I'm buying it, you know, 30, 40% discount to the comps. That would be an ideal candidate because I got to want to lease up 30% to get to market. All right. And another question from George, he said, also, what are your thoughts on mobile home parks? I've mm -hmm. been hearing a lot about that type of investment lately and heard return is much higher and seems like affordable housing is a much needed type of housing nowadays. Yeah, well, with the housing expense going through the roof, a uh, lot of people have to downgrade into a mobile home park. And, uh, you know, mobile home park is great because your cost of maintenance is almost nothing. You got some landscaping. Uh, from time to time, you may have repairs on utility pipes and what have you. But all in all, uh, it's land. You're a landlord. Your rate of return is higher, um, typically, than buying a multifamily but um, your land goes up and eventually the best exit is selling it to a developer to put on condominiums. Um, a lot of the utilities that are already. So I like the exit play with it. I love the cash flow, uh, and that's about it. I mean, it does go up, but it doesn't appreciate as much as um, other types of asset class, but it does have great cash flow, similar to a storage uh, warehouses. You know. All right, and I see Bryce is in here too. Bryce Conto, a new member. Um, awesome to see you here. And also great to see you, Will. Great to see you, Brian. Um, or Bryce, that's the end of the 30-minute session. We do have leftover questions, so we'll get to those after the end of the call. You got it. This was great, guys. Um, thank you for joining the call. Be safe, be well, and see you guys next week.